Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to the latest edition of the Winning Pitch Podcast. I have a special guest for you. Her name is Jen Carmona. She's got a great story. Her, she's going to tell you about her path of success and the challenges she had in her life. And both of us hope that you'll take something from her story and turn up your success rate in your life. So, Jen, start any place you want, whether it's in junior high school, high school, or the womb. I don't care. <laughs> awesome. Well, first off, Tom, I just really appreciate you asking me to be here. It's really an honor and a privilege to be connected with you. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to thank you for letting me, allowing me to share my story. And I really am uh, looking forward to adding value to other people. I, even if it's just one thing somebody can take away and implement into their life, I just know if it can just impact someone, I know I've done my job today. So just a little bit about me. I am actually a Canadian. So I was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. I've been pursuing a professional dance career ever since I was a very young lady. And, you know, I love to dance. And funny story is, you know, growing up, I was actually extremely shy, wouldn't talk to anybody. So my mom, she actually put me in dance as the icebreaker so that I could just become socialized with other kids and just learn how to communicate. And she said that I would never talk to anybody. But once I was in the dance studio, once I put my whole outfit on, I would just turn into somebody else. And I that was just my way of communicating. So that's what I loved about dance. It's so universal. And it was just a way for me to just express my, myself. Whenever I would step out of the class, though, I would be very quiet, going back to my very reserved self and just very observant. So you know, growing up, I, I was able, I was very fortunate to just throw myself into, into the arts, because we know that if you're not pursuing something, or if you're not committed to something, it just leaves time for you to get involved in other things that aren't going to serve you in your future. So through fine arts, I was able to learn commitment very early on in my life, a work ethic, have uh, learning how to have that no quit attitude, learning how to work through different challenges. And then by the age of 14, I started teaching dance. So I was actually terrified to do so because like I said, I was naturally introverted and uh, dealing with parents that didn't even really know how old I was. They didn't know I was a 14 year old kid that was teaching. They probably thought I was like 20 or something. But, you know, through that, I was able to break through my shell and learn how to communicate with people. But I really love teaching dance because I would get all different types of students. I would have people that were or have students that were born with the ability to dance. So it was just I just really had to quickly show them what to do and they got it. But what I loved really was helping the ones that weren't naturally gifted or they didn't have that ability and really taking them from ground zero and teaching them fundamentals to get them to a point where they could execute just as great as the naturally gifted ones. And so 
for years I was teaching dance. I started teaching at a, a local studio. They're like a franchise in Canada. And I loved what I did. And the great thing about that was I started learning how to just build relationships with people, uh, learning how to communicate with people and with at all different levels, it just really challenged me in a way to not be able to just communicate with one type of person, but to many different and uh, just being able to witness so many different breakthroughs for students and having their parents watch their development as well. It was like one of the most rewarding things. So as a teenager, before I could even drive, I was already teaching at dance studios and uh, from there, eventually opened up my own school when I was 21, just shy of 22, 21 years old. And it was one of the most challenging things that I've ever done. But sometimes you just have to put yourself in a situation where you're going to stretch, where you're going to grow. And that was definitely the situation, especially at that age. Uh, was what, was, what was the event that caused you to stop teaching in someone else's studio? and cause you to go off on your own. That's always probably, there's probably a story there. Definitely is a story, Tom. So the story behind that is, uh, you know, I was actually teaching a young lady. I was, I had private lessons. So the studio had like multiple different studios within the building. And uh, she would always come to my studio just, or to my class distraught after a previous class she took never wanted to communicate with me, sometimes in tears. So I would try to talk her through it. She's very reserved as well. And one day, because it just kept happening over and over and over again, and I couldn't get through to her, we were getting nothing done in class. I felt I was more her counselor than I was her dance teacher. She finally opened up and said that the teacher that she uh, was uh, taking class with before mine was very verbally abusive, and she just couldn't take it. And so I started asking her more. And, you know, I, I didn't say anything to our front desk at first, but I just said to her, well, you know, you're going to have to either talk to your parents, you're going to need to communicate with her, but this can't happen anymore. So long story short, she actually went, talked to her parents, and her parents came in and basically had a word confronted that teacher. And somewhere in the mix of it, I have no idea, I got thrown into it. And my boss at the time, the owner of the studio was demanding the following day that I come into the studio and discuss this with the teacher. I still to this day don't even really know that what happened. But I said, I can't come in because we actually have dance competitions. And if anybody knows a thing about me when it came to my students, and it came to what was best for them, I was always going to do that no matter what. And so I said, well, I'm not going to be able to come in for this meeting, it's going to have to wait until Monday after the competition, because my only focus is making sure that they're well prepared. You know, I'm about energy as well. So I said, uh, after the competition, I'll be more than happy to come in and discuss it. But this is just not the time. And uh, basically, from that, they had let me go just because I wouldn't come into the studio, talk about something that I had nothing to do with. And I wasn't definitely, I definitely was not going to let that interfere with what we had going on with the students. So after that, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I said to my partner at the time, I said, well, 
maybe dance isn't meant for me anymore. Maybe we're going to do something else. And I've always been business minded, always been ambitious. So I said, maybe we should get into the restaurant industry. I don't know, but we did not know what our next move was going to be. And then one day I get a phone call from a student and she says to me, Jen, you're not going to believe this. I am at the school right now. And there is a line of parents and students with drawings. And I said, really? And I had no idea that it would impact people that much. So that school, they lost well over a hundred students within a span of two weeks, which were all, they weren't just a student that was paying for one class. These were competitive students, people that were paying, uh, you know, great money to uh, their kids' tuition. So it wasn't just to somebody that was doing it recreationally. These were students that took it seriously. And just because of that silly decision of not saying like, let's, okay, Jen, let's put it off till Monday, because clearly you care about the students and you want to put them first, you know, just within a span of two weeks, it costs them six figures a year to let me go. Wow. Sorry, Tom, I didn't mean to cut you off. Parents were calling me, what are we going to do next? And uh, I said, I have no idea. I wasn't expecting this, but let's make it happen. So I just started renting out because everyone uh, that I was teaching, they were from different parts of where I'm from in BC, different cities. And I was actually from the main city, which is Vancouver. And then all these suburbs, you know, they're like 30, 45 minutes away. So I started renting out uh, spaces, whether it be in other dance studios or local community centers. And I held a show it sold out. We put it together in literally a span of three months. It was something where it, because I also wasn't boxed in, I was able to, to execute all of these ideas I've been holding in for a long time. And we did the show my way and it was a huge success. And literally from there, maybe two, three months after we opened a dance studio in the city of Vancouver and those people that were from, you know, suburbs. And there's so many dance studios that you could go to within your local community. They made the commute, whether it be 45 to an hour and a half, having to get onto a train. Uh, they did it even coming from different suburbs. So that's how that started. That's how that transpired. So it definitely wasn't my plan. I feel like it was God's plan for whatever reason. And we just rolled with it. Didn't question it. We just trusted the process the whole time. Awesome. So are you still involved in dance? No, I'm not, but it definitely was a good 30, 30 plus years that I was involved. Okay. So yeah. continue. Now, now you're, what did you do when you decided to stop doing the dance studio? Well, you know, 2008 hit and uh, we all know what happened then, right? Recession. So my business did take a hit. We were accommodating the students, but definitely what I found was we were working two times harder for. Uh, less money. We were really just trying to keep things afloat. You know, I was doing what I could to keep my head above water, but it was worth it for me at the time because a lot of the students that we had, I realized if they weren't in the studio, it would give them the opportunity to be doing nothing, maybe get on the streets or just be involved with the wrong people. And I had grown such a, a, a family. We had like a family oriented type of environment, which I'm sure that you're familiar with as well. You know, the teachers were not just somebody that worked for me. Like I really genuinely cared about them. And that went for the students. We were all a very close knit family. So I almost felt like I was running the school literally for free. 
uh, started working 12 to 20 hours a day. It was just insane. Any role that I could take, I was a dance teacher, I was administration, I was a janitor. I just did everything that I could to keep it going. And uh, of course, I knew at that point, though, uh, something was going to have to change. Like I knew I needed another opportunity. But because my whole life, all I had done was dance and and put on shows and choreograph, I didn't know what my next step would be. I really didn't. And again, you know, out of nowhere, uh, opportunity presented itself, which was network marketing through a friend of mine. So I, you know, she asked me, actually, you know, to be honest, you're supposed to ask people if you're open, right? And she did kind of ambush me, said she needed help with something. Would you come and meet me? at this place at this time. And I didn't question it. I think I just wanted to change my routine that day so bad that I was like, I don't even care. I'm not even questioning it. But my partner was saying to me at the time, like, do you even know why you're going? What does she need help with? I said, you know, good question. I should ask her. So I did ask her and she said, oh, just, you know, it's, it's business related. Just, just come and help me. And I said, okay, sure. So the meeting was taking place at a church, right? Like, I guess a church basement or something like that. So she, she texts me, tells me where to meet her. I said, what's going on? Are they going to try to convert me or something like that? I really did not know what was going on. And literally I walked into a meeting where they were presenting an opportunity. And the funny thing about that was, I guess, because I had walked in late, I was coming from a dance class you know, I come in where they're asking for the startup fee to get started. And I was like, what the heck is this? You know, so I walk into a meeting, imagine they're saying it's, and it's $499 to get started, had no idea what it was. So to be honest, Tom, I was so angry. I thought I was tricked. I felt like, why did she do this? Why couldn't she be honest? I have no idea what's going on. But there was a gentleman at the front of the room who came and took the stage at the perfect time as I sat down. And uh, his name is Nakota Bragg. So he's from San Diego and he shared his story and it was so inspiring. You know, he was the youngest of 13 kids. Uh, They were living in like a two bedroom apartment, just lived in the projects of San Diego. And then how he shared his story and that just really inspired me to where he was now. The amount, the thousands of people uh, that he's impacted, you know, the lifestyle he was able to create. Um, You know, I'm not all about money and material things. Yes, those are important. But of course, like if that lifestyle is available, like I want to know how I can do that too. And the things that I had heard that he'd done for his, his family, I wanted to put myself in that position. So those feelings of anger and feeling ambushed, it went away very quickly as soon as he came and took the stage. And then after that, uh, without even knowing what the company offered, because he was so good at connecting and communicating I signed up not knowing what the company offered, not knowing what the background was, but just based off of the leader that was speaking in front of the room. And I told the lady after she goes, so what do you think? I said, I don't know what to think. I just think it sounds great. Please meet with me tomorrow because I have no idea what I just signed up for. But, you know, I'm a decision maker. So I just said my credit cards on there. You can run it, whatever, get my store running. But we'll need to meet up because I have no idea what it is that we do. And then next day, met with them at a restaurant. They showed me the full opportunity because I had missed the first part of the presentation. And I was okay. able to see that it was a great opportunity. And it was dealing with essential services. I loved how it was tied in with Feeding America and the Food Banks of Canada. So, you know, I love that we could help along the way as we were building the business. And from there, I just started following the system. I started doing this network marketing thing five hours 
around my 12 to 20 hour um, day. So I was just working at five hours a week. And when the money started coming, I, and I didn't even know what I was doing, I said, maybe I should actually really learn this business. Because if I actually understand it, I can be in a position to just be more in control of it. So that's what I find with network marketers. You know, a lot of people say they don't have time, but you start making the time when you start seeing the results. And, that, and that's what I did. And I, then I became passionate about it because there was personal development involved. You know, I, I thought after high school, which I barely got through, you know, I just made it. Uh, I wasn't somebody that was like a straight A student or anything like that. I just, it just wasn't my thing. But I thought that that's when you stop growing. That's when you stop reading books. And because of network marketing, it allowed me to be with number one, the right people, because obviously you are who you hang out with. Uh, the second thing was, you know, the world of personal development, reading books, leadership, things like that. So I started, I was able to be introduced to speakers like John Maxwell, right? And Jim Rohn. And, and, and because of network marketing, that's like actually how I started hearing about Grant Cardone because you're just thrown into this world of entrepreneurship and people that are doing it big. And so if it wasn't for the industry, I don't even know where my life would be, honestly, because of the things that I've been able to learn and the people that I've been able to be connected with. It's just amazing. So the one thing you left out of that story was what was the company? Oh, the name, sorry. So the name of the company is called ACN and they are a telecommunications company. So it's a direct sales company that offers uh, things that people have to use every single day, pay for every single month. And I, that's what I really loved about it. I just felt this is essential. People are paying this bill anyways. I won't have to remind them uh, because I saw my mom do, you know, the Amways. Uh, she did a bunch of stuff, actually. And I think that's where I, I inherited the ambition from. But, you know, I like that we didn't have inventory, that we were just working with an online store and working with like AT&T and DirecTV, like companies that people already know and trust. So I didn't even look at it as a network marketing business. As a traditional business owner, I just said, hey, this is great. There's no overhead. I'm not taking care of payroll or anything like that. No inventory. The company takes care of all of that. I have an online store. I can get customers and I can just teach other people how to do what I do. and. Uh, that is the company that I have been with for the past almost nine years now. So as Grant says about start a business, starting with your power base, isn't that the, under, the underlying philosophy of all multi-level marketing is working your power base and having people work their own power base? Exactly. So I had a great one because of the dance community, and then I had influence there as well. So I started that with, of course, my warm market. And they say that your, your warm market is your warm up. That's what they say in network marketing. So once you've gone through those people, and you can always keep them in, in your, you know, your contact list, of course, because it just comes down to the timing in someone's life. You know, we're, we're equipped to start pe uh, prospecting people that are, that are not in our contact list and building relationships with people that we don't know. So what is the lesson that you have learned going from doing something that you love, i.e. dance, to doing something that you now love because it's providing the lifestyle that you want? What, what was the lesson that you made? That that, you from oh, everything that you want is just outside of your comfort zone and that you are one phone call, one meeting, away from completely changing your life. 
Awesome. Awesome. So if you could go back to your, could you have gone from being fired or let go in Canada directly into multi-level marketing or did you need to have that experience of running your own dance school? I did. I needed to have that experience because, you know, to be honest, when I was just teaching dance and I was self-employed, people had reached out to me about opportunities and because it just wasn't the right time where I wasn't in the space to accept like, or even take a look at it. I needed to go through having a traditional business, knowing how difficult it was so that I could value what ACN had uh, had to offer as far as not having to deal with, you know, all the things that I was dealing with in a traditional business. Because if I did not have that process of having a traditional business to compare it up to network marketing and leverage, then I probably would have not said yes. So all of those experiences were necessary. The good ones, the bad ones, all of them, it was just all in place for me to be able to, number one, understand what I had my hands on. Because when you understand your opportunity, number two, you can be grateful for it. And when you're grateful for it, you'll take action. You won't take it for granted. And, you know, you're able to just operate from a different place. And, And I just really, truly believe that if people are not taking advantage of certain opportunities that they're involved in doesn't doesn't have to be network marketing necessarily but it, it can be any opportunity they're not grateful for what they have and so i definitely needed the traditional business to have the gratitude that i have for our industry somebody once asked me if i could go back and change anything including the bad things in my life would i do that and i said no because i don't I haven't put together what lesson I learned from harming others or being harmed by others or so. And I'm fairly comfortable with where I'm at now. So I don't want to take something out there and find out that, you know, I left out what has become an essential part of my operating basis, which at this point is much more effective than it was 20 or 30 years ago. So, you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing. And, and that's just my opinion. Is sometimes people want to throw all the bad out of their life, but there's probably something there of value for them. And it just, that's the way I look at it anyway. How about you? A hundred percent. I like to call that the chain of destiny. You know, I look at some of the biggest success stories on the, on the planet, obviously Grant Cardone, and he's shared and been very transparent about his past, but who he is today, like he would have not became this mogul that he is today if it wasn't for all of those things that he went through in his past. And I just really believe it. it's more inspiring to somebody to, to know that it isn't where I am right now, it's where I'm going. And when they have successful entrepreneurs like Grant or yourself to look at and knowing that you, you all started in the same place, it does give people hope. So I I wouldn't change anything either. I mean, when we're put in those situations where it's uncomfortable or maybe you had a falling out with, you know, somebody in business, whatever the case may be, and it was just a situation that you, where you don't, you're not comfortable, you don't like it, it doesn't feel good, but you come out of it, 
it's who you're becoming in the process, right? One of my mentors told me it's not about making millions of dollars, but it's about who you're becoming through the process. How many of the con, how many, how, how well did you learn how to take rejection that, that, you know, through that time, um, you're growing thick skin, you know? So I believe that every single thing that has happened in my life or even in anyone's in yours, it, it was so crucial for those things to happen. But at the moment, sometimes it's not easy. You're just, why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. I work hard. I'm honest with people. Why am I put in this situation, right? But my mentor actually told me, don't ask why me, ask why not me? Because through that process, you are going to grow into what you are supposed to be. So I 100% agree with you on that for sure. So let me ask you this question. Who are your mentors today? So I just depending on what it's for, uh, obviously Grant Cardone, a big inspiration. I haven't had the opportunity to be as hands-on like you have, Tom, but you know, I, I hope to get to that level. Um, so definitely he's been my mentor through audios, through the books, through boot camps, things like that. But in network marketing, I, I have a few, you know, one that actually has already passed on. His name was Jim Rohn. I believe he was part of Herbalife. Just one, just an amazing, amazing mentor. So I've listened to his audios every single day, even if it's just for 10, 15 minutes. And then another one is John Maxwell. Uh, when it comes to leadership, for sure, John Maxwell learned so much from him. And of course, within ACN, we have mentors that have hit, you know, the pinnacles of the company, and they're still in the field, and they're still doing what they do, helping people. And, and those people have been my mentors. So it's just depending on what part of my life, you know, of course, I have spiritual mentor as well. I have a fitness mentor. But I would have to say one of the main ones would definitely be Grant, and the other one would have to be John Maxwell for sure. So thank you for telling me that. Who were your mentors when you were 16? Dance moguls. So I was actually training under people that were choreographers for people like Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. So those were my mentors. But the thing, Tom, about that was, in the dance world, all you're listening to is music and music nowadays, or even back then, it, it started getting to a point where it's not very, po the music's not positive. So again, if that's all you're listening to all day, uh, that becomes a part of you in your subconscious mind. So uh, that's why I was so blown away when I came into this world of entrepreneurship about personal, you know, learning how to work on yourself. And they say, grow your mindset and your, your bank account will grow too. That's what blew me away because I had never, ever come across anything like that. And I started falling in love with who I was becoming because I didn't know I had more in me. So when I was 16, though, it was just, you know, people in music videos, people on TV. And, and that's great. You know, of course, they're talented and they do have something to offer. But I wasn't growing as a person back then, you know, physically and everything. Of course, I was. But just mentally, I was stagnant until I was introduced to mentors like the ones I, I just mentioned. So I'm presuming that you're in your middle 30. Yes. Okay. I, I, 37. I'm 37. Oh, that, I'm almost twice as old as you. So it was fun for me to hear that you recognized that the, the music is angry and 
it's not nice and it's not positive. And I have experienced that as a consumer of music over 72 years. And I thought, to me, if a piece of music is great, if I want to sit down with my love interest, my wife, my girlfriend, whatever you want to say. And I have never felt that way about I think is the most popular kind of music nowadays, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I was glad to hear that someone inside that industry felt that way too, because then I realized I'm not wrong. You made me right, and I'm going to thank you that for, for that very much. <laughs> no, though, it is very true. And with the baby coming on uh, on the way as, as well, my husband and I, you know, we're both into personal growth and just filling our minds with positive things. You know, we already decided as well that if uh, she wanted to dance, you know, we not that I'm going to force her to do anything. And she she did want to dance. If she did inherit that from me, then I would want to put her in something like ballet. That's what I started with. It's a lot of classical music and it's great for her learning. So, you know, again, like, and my husband used to be a rapper. So you can just imagine like, you know, <laughs> the language he was using and, uh, um, you know, we as parents to be are going to be very cautious about that because I notice, and it's just not getting any better with the music. So again, if that's all you're listening to all the time, you become what you hang out with. You become what you listen to, right? Your diet is not just your food, but it's just like, what are you reading and what are you seeing and what are you listening to? And so we don't want to consume her with any of that kind of stuff because of the direction that music is going. So I totally understand. And it just, that's what I noticed when I haven't listened to as much music, I actually started growing as a person, believe it or not. People think crazy for saying it, but it's the truth. Well, it's, it's like I tell people all the time, if you want to feel better, stop watching news, stop looking at Twitter feeds. It's all angry people, bad news. And if you understand anything about the entertainment, I mean, I've written books and I've had friends that were very, very well-known authors. And they said, in order to keep the story moving, you've got to have conflict because people pay attention to that. Well, the problem is, is that that whole guiding foundation has moved into journalism. So what do they do? They work to create conflict. And that, you know, I you know, I don't, no one really needs somebody around them who's constantly saying you can't do that, you shouldn't do this. You, you know, it's all bad news. And it's like they all say that if you publish nothing but good news, nobody'd buy your paper. Well, why don't you try it? Well, it's their money. They could do with it anything they want. But, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I know that when I forward someone else's links, or share someone else's post. I only share good news. And I say that right in the thing, in the post. I only share good news. In fact, I'm in the aviation tax business, and I was riding on a bus to an event from the hotel, and there was a guy standing behind me who was part of one of the the sanctioning body or the group that puts together this aircraft show. And he was talking about this guy that it always puts out good news. And I said, that's me. I mean, because a lot of times when you're in the journalism business, you're not certain that anybody ever hears you because there's no easy access of people responding like there is on, you know, on the internet. But 
you know, it was, it was, it was gratifying to, to know that one human being listened, because I know that if one human being listened, there probably really was 100,000 people listened to it. And it, it, it's, you know, that, that felt pretty good to me. But anyway, I, I don't want to take over your, this is your opportunity to shine. You're up on the stage. So you've, you told me who your mentors are now. You told me who they were when you're 16. What caused the shift? The shift in um, the mindset. Mentors. Mentors. What you, you, a mentor, did they just come and find you and say, hey, you need to start listening to me? Or you, what caused you to go look for them? And who did you find, in, in say, in your late 20s? Well, I again, it, it came back to uh, just being in network marketing because uh, as I would plug into the events, I would hear of all these different names or if a speaker or a trainer, they would share a quote and they or they would share a book. I was like a sponge. Actually, Darren Hardy was one of the first people. He's a creator of Success Magazine. So he was one of the first people I started listening to. A very successful guy out of San Diego. I believe he was in real estate. He did network marketing. And uh, he basically took on Success From Home and Success Magazine, which actually was Napoleon Hill's magazine. So he's like the modern day Napoleon Hill. And he literally took that over. So he was at a convention. And he, uh, his training was just unbelievable, just started talking about the mind, the power of it, what it can do. He talked about the news. He just basically, I remember the, the thing that really made me shift was he had a glass of water. And it was like dirty, he put like mud and all this dirt in it. And he was just say he just the example was that that was like people pouring in negative stuff into their mind, consuming themselves with news, just in being involved with the wrong people, negativity, drama, all of this stuff that we shouldn't be a part of, you know, toxic. And he grabbed like a pitcher of water and he was just basically saying, when you continue to work on yourself and he just overflowed that glass that was muddy and dirty with clean water until it was all gone and the whole glass was clear, uh, full of clean, clean waters. So that was a moment where I was like, I don't know, it stuck out. What have I been listening to my whole life? You know, even my dad, he consumes himself with the news, right? And he's great and everything, but sometimes I can see why he's on edge or why he's scared. It's like he's, they like it's media has instilled fear in people, you know, because this is what he's consumed himself with. So I realized at that moment when Darren Hardy did that example on stage at a convention that everything starts with your mind. And so that's when I really had that shift to see that visual that he did live. I knew that whatever I was consuming was going to be me. And then what I do is going to determine how I can impact or not impact people in the marketplace. And I realized that in order for me to be instrumental to anybody's growth, I first had to grow myself. So it was that. Tell, that tell me a little bit, a little bit about your parents. Tell me what kind of people they are and what they did for a living. I love what, what it was like to be a young child. Right. So my parents, they immigrated from the Philippines almost 50 years ago uh, to Canada amazing story. My dad first uh, came to Canada, went to a province called Manitoba, which is, you know, it, it's nothing like BC, British Columbia. British Columbia is just absolutely it's beautiful. I'm a city type of person. So, you know, I'm glad that they moved there, but he went to Manitoba and 
uh, at the time, my mom stayed in the Philippines with my sister and he sacrificed, you know, for three years, they lived apart. My mom raised uh, my sister on her own just so that my dad could raise some money and not just bring her, but he ended up bringing her siblings and some of his siblings as well. So him and his eldest sister, they were responsible for all of them being able to come over. And uh, after that, you know, I was born in Vancouver. They decided to move to Vancouver. My dad was just taking odd jobs. He was working at gas stations, uh, janitor at McDonald's, just really working his way up. Eventually became a janitor at a nice hotel. And the head chef there liked my dad so much that he's like, I can't stand to watch you just clean. Let me show you how to cook. And so then my dad ended up becoming a chef in a hotel and he did really well with that, did some catering. So seeing where he came from to what he was able to accomplish, like they told me that when they came to Canada, they had to share an apartment with like seven other couples, which is insane. (laughs) Their table was like a cardboard box from a TV because TVs were huge back then. So you remember how big the boxes were, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then my mom, she was in the medical field, she has two degrees, very intelligent woman, uh, didn't end up using any of them. And she worked in the hospital, actually, it's very common for Filipino people to be in the medical field. It's I think it's in our culture, like they like to care for people. And, you know, so she went into the medical field. And um, growing up with them, uh, they were not most Asian parents, they want their child to become a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, like they have this well thought out. But my parents told me they said, do what makes you happy. And as long as you're being honest, and as long as you're successful in it, and as long as you work hard, we don't care. Just do what you feel like you need to do. So they were a little bit different, you know, and some of my friends would say what they're not forcing you to go to university or anything like that. I said, No, they just want me to work hard and they want me to be successful. So I was just very, very fortunate. They were very supportive in dance, you know, my mom would just take on extra shifts to make sure that she could cover everything. And just knowing the story, you know, my mom, actually, it's her birthday today. So right after this, I'll be reaching out to her. Uh, But she actually, you know, she told me at the age of like seven years old, she was already working in the field, picking food just to provide for their family because they were poor. So just seeing where they are now and how they've been able to help so many families make that transition and then seeing how they're still providing for for their family members that are back home and sending money back there. It's inspirational, right? My mom, like she she loves to do mission trips and, and things like that. So when I got into network marketing, I didn't see a vision just for myself because I saw what was available and the type of income that you could make in a certain amount of time. I that they became a driving force because I wanted them to I wanted to honor their sacrifices. I didn't want to be one of those kids that came to Canada, born in Canada, and then just threw away my opportunity of having the freedom and being able to start a business or being an entrepreneur, because I see people do that all the time, Uh, whether it be family, friends and cousins, you know, it's almost like they had no regard for what their parents actually, you know, the the legwork that they put in to immigrate, it's not an easy process at all. And so they became a driving force in my life, they still are. And uh, they're great parents, It, it 
I just try to think if they were in the world of personal development, oh my gosh, they could have grown so much as well. But from where they came from and what they know, they knew, uh, they definitely had set that bar high in our family. And so I really want to to make them proud because uh, I can't let them down, you know. And I'm happy to so, do. So. so did you get them involved with your network marketing company? Well, they they were supportive. You know, my mom did it for a bit. She killed it. She's just naturally good at those things. But you know, it just turned into Jen. You do it. You know, you take care of me. But they have been very supportive. Been customers, referred people. You know, my dad doesn't even really know what I do. He's very quiet, very reserved. <laughs> so you know, he's just like, "How's it? How's the thing that you're doing?" You know, until this day, he still calls it the thing. He doesn't really know what it is. But they have been very supportive, and you know, they have just been that great support system for me all of these years, whether it be dance or network marketing. Uh, they're just great people. So I've asked you to go from this point in time back and talk to your younger self. Now I'm going to ask you to go the opposite direction. What would you say to your 50-year-old self? To your old self. Wow. What would I say to I think I would say to my 50-year-old self that age does not matter. You can still keep going. You can still go hard. Uh, and the reason why I would say that is because I, you know, a lot of people think that their best days are behind them. And it's weird because my circle of friends, people that I grew up with, they're always talking about feeling so old and, you know, like they had settled. But I feel as I'm getting older, life is getting better. I feel like I'm 10 times better now than I was then. I'm excited about the aging process, you know, and I think it's because I have people to look to that are still doing great things and they feel younger than ever. You know, I, I can't remember where I saw it, if it was on interactive, you know, if it was during the 10X challenge, somebody had asked Grant and he was just saying he's in way better shape than he was in his 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing way more right now. And that is so inspirational. So that's what I would say to my older self, never to get tricked by society that life, you know, your, your, your best days are behind you, you know? So I'm not going to be a Ted Bundy. Have you ever watched that show married with children? He'd always talk about the glory days, right? Well, he was always talking about when he was in high school, how he was like the star athlete, but then, you know, he just, his life was nothing and he just wasn't fulfilled. And so the only thing he could talk about was the good old days. Right. So yeah. I don't want to be one of those people. I feel that that's what I would tell myself because I think a lot of people have that misconception that life is over, you know, even at 40 years old. And I don't, I don't know. I still feel like I have so much to do. Well, and your child is going to be don't let this scare you, but your, your child is going to be 23 years old at that point, right? Right. <laughs> you know, you're going to you're going to go through so much. And if you go through it with a fixed idea of how everything is supposed to go, I guarantee you, you're going to get surprised and probably disappointed. Just, right. you know, I've always felt that my role as a parent was merely to keep them between the lines, but not to control how they drove the car or how they lived their life. or And I think that the mistakes that I've ever made, made in raising children was telling them no. I tried, because I've, I've learned this as being a boss, I never tell someone, when somebody comes to me with an idea, I support it. Try it. 
I'm not God. I don't know whether it is or it isn't going to work. I mean, if somebody had come and told me about computers when I was 20 years old, I, what would you do with them? <laughs> it's like, I like a little TV. What do you do with them? So, you know, you never know. You got to let people commit to something and then their creativity will follow and then they'll work it out. And the people that don't get anywhere, the people that the average people whose lives have just kind of go along on a flat line, and which is we both know is actually deteriorating, they get lost in the detail. Just commit to something, start doing it. Frequency always prefer, per, precedes greatness. Do it a lot, you'll get good at it, and you know, things will probably work out. But I mean, yeah. you know. When it comes to being a parent, from my standpoint, I'm going to tell you this, and I've given this wisdom to you for free. Awesome. I love it. The day that you evaluate yourself as a mother and how you raise your children will have more to do with that day than anything else. And the example I'll give you, if you evaluate yourself on the day, it's a daughter, you're having a daughter, right? Yes. Okay. If you evaluate her on the day that she graduates from high school, you did good. If you evaluate her when she was a junior and she came home from the junior prom and she went out and got drunk, you did a lousy job. If you evaluate her on the day that she graduates from college, you did good. If you evaluate her when she gets divorced from thing, you did bad. It's always depends upon that day, how mm-hmm. you're going to, because that's what you're looking through your, the, the experience is this close to you. Right. So, you know, just as long as you do things with ethics, with morality, and you have good thoughts and you want to help people, it doesn't have to be any stricter than that. I mean, right. I grew up in, in a Catholic family and, and, and it was enforced in a very matriarchal family, my dad's mom. And a lot of the stuff that they said just didn't make sense to me. And then when I went to Catholic school, when I was in uh, high school, and they'd say things that made no sense to me, I'd question it. And I got always got sent to the vice principal's office. <laughs> Challenger. So, you, you know, you have, you have a choice to make. So I would always ask, so the vice principal is the only guy in this school who can answer my questions, right? And, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm always a smart ass, but because life's pretty funny when you, when you look at it that way. It's like, why worry about it, you know? I realized very early on that I was a spiritual being acting out a physical existence, which gave me a little bit of leverage over a lot of things that happened in my life. But even knowing that didn't mean I've led a perfect life. Didn't mean I haven't hurt myself and haven't hurt other people. Didn't mean I did everything right. But, you know, just keep chugging. Don't give up. I mean, the only way you fail is to quit. That's right. You know, and, and, and I learned that lesson I'm not sure I learned it yet. I, 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 I apply it to different degrees, but I just keep moving. I don't know whether you know this or not, but I coached high school baseball in a varsity level, yes. so pretty high level. Yeah, you told me for that. For four decades. And the umpires used to ask me, because I've been gray since I was middle 50s. Actually, I was gray when I was 19, but that's another story that I won't tell you in public. And <laughs> And uh, the, the umpires used to ask me, when are you going to retire? And I said, never. Why should I retire? I like doing what I do. The minute I stopped liking it, 
I took a look at why to make sure I hadn't done something to the game or something that reduced my own self-esteem. And I disconnected it from it. It's just, you know, it it, it goes back to the, how I felt on the day and how things were going, but Mm -hmm. it had, it, it had the game of teaching high school athletes just wasn't any fun anymore. So I stopped doing it. And I realized that if I'd have stopped doing it earlier, I'd, probably be a lot wealthier because I spent I spent about 50 or 60 hours a week coaching baseball as well as another 50 60 hours a week running my tax business so oh. I did a video called why I hate Grant Cardone and it talks about when you want to gain something you got to give something up first I gave up something that I really loved but I had gotten to a point where I didn't love it anymore so that made it probably made it easier so I can't really blame it on Grant I it was coming I was you know, when the students ready, the teachers showed up. I was looking for somebody. When did you? What pick for me the year when you got connected to Grant? I want to say it was two thousand. It had to be like two thousand sixteen. I started hearing about him. I don't even know how, if it was Instagram or what it was. I, I, I know it had, had to do with, I just kept hearing 10X, 10X. So I knew what 10X was before I knew who Grant Cardone was. You know, that was, and then I started learning about the man behind, uh, behind it all. And then I went to uh, the first time I actually had seen him live in person was in Miami when he did the growth con out there. So, so you went to you went to the one in in the baseball stadium? Yes, Marlins Marlins Park. Yeah. So that was my first one. And then from there I made a decision that okay, this is definitely someone that I want to align myself with. It's in my goal book that some way somehow I'm going to collaborate with him. And then I've been writing that every day for the past 2 years in my goal book. So I'm just putting myself in position to just make sure that happens, whether it be registering for whatever they have coming up and, you know, just trying to get an alignment as possible. I just, I love what they're about. I just love how they really care about people. Like that, it seems like what their whole mission is. And he's just somebody that is like, I don't really know anybody that can like, just be so on edge or you know, that, but can still communicate it in a way like they care. So that's what I really love is just that he's so edgy. He's so innovative, but at the same time, like you understand what message he's trying to communicate. When you get a chance, go to Miami and go to the home office and just stand in their morning meetings in the morning. Have you ever seen any videos of their morning meetings? Yes. Yeah. Because uh, when I was in the mentorship program, I remembered when Sherry Innes was working for them, she would always record that. And so I would like see, you know, in the group, the Facebook group that the live that she'd be recording uh, from there. So that was really, really cool. So I love how they have that success meeting and in in the morning with their whole team circled around in that, in that room. Where yep. he does like a lot of those in-person masterminds and stuff, which I'm sure that you've attended. So, yes, Several of them. do that. Yeah. So, are you going to be on the uh, virtual boot camp this weekend? Yes, I will be. So that's going to be very exciting because that that lineup and everything that they just have in place it's just awesome. Just when you think they like, how are they going to top it off? They always find a way to do it. Uh, yeah, that's 10x. Yeah. You know, make it bigger and better. 
Yeah. So keep keep up your good work. Keep up reaching. Keep up connecting to it because all you got to do is come out of with obscurity with Grant. That's 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 your job right now. For sure, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Definitely no do. So, is there anything that you'd like the whole world to know that you haven't told me yet? Not particularly. I mean, oh yes. Okay. I got one. You got one. The only way to lead is by example. You can never ask people to do something that you're not willing to do. It doesn't, even if you are running a company, people don't want a boss. They want a leader, right? Because bosses just dictate, dictate, dictate. But I feel like leaders, they will do it through influence. They will do it through connection. And I've tried both ways. I've done the whole like, do this, do that. And, you know, instilled leadership leadership by fear. And yeah, it might work for a season, but it's not helping people and it's not encouraging. So what I find that people will do is what you do. So, you know, that's why it's always about staying relevant, being in the trenches, showing that you're also working because when people can see that you're a person of, you know, your word and you're a consumer of your own message, that's when they're going to follow. But if you're just telling people what to do and you're not doing it yourself, no one's going to follow you. It might work for a season, but it will not work forever. It will not work long-term. You got to get your hands dirty, right? You got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get in the trenches. And I, I would expect people. Yeah, there's, I think there's lots of examples as when you look back in history of that. The, the yeah. People that did, whether it was Alexander the Great or Napoleon or Adolf Hitler, mm-hmm. they created a lot of action, but they did it with fear and control, and it eventually comes apart. It, yeah. It's not going to work. So we've reached a, a close to an hour. Is there anything that you haven't told us that you don't want us to know? Anything that I've haven't, you know, it's not even about not wanting to know, but to, to be very transparent, I was that kid that had abused drugs, that had abused alcohol at one point. I was trying my best to fit in. I was the outcast in school, always getting into fights. And I, I actually had so many thoughts of like, what is my purpose? You know, I just want my life to end because I have no idea why I'm here. And, and uh, people just have to know it's, it's like your past does not determine your future. You cannot change your direct, you, you cannot change where you're going to be overnight, but you can change the direction overnight. It's all a decision. And so no matter where you are in your life right now, just know that you are one decision away from a completely different life. But you have to decide. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. And I just want to be transparent to let people know that you're not a tree. You can move. And all of us have done things, I believe, that we're not proud of. But like going back to our conversation earlier, mm-hmm. some of those, if we didn't go through those things, those trials and tribulations, uh, we wouldn't be refined to be the people that we are today. And so it's just a matter of taking those times, whether they be dark times, and you never know who you're going to impact. Someone out there has the same story as you, and they're waiting for you to just share your story to know, to give them validation that there is hope for them. So I wouldn't want to share openly, like, you know, I had that part of my life, but, you know, of course, there might be somebody that needs to hear that. I agree with you, and I thank you very much for being that vulnerable on this uh, issue. So 
I believe our time today is up. And anytime you want to come back, because you want to add, you want to add something to that message, or you have a new thing that you learned that you want to talk about, my listeners are going to be loving to hear from you. You're an inspiration to me. We've had other business dealings, and you've always handled them at the highest level. I really respect you, and I admire you for doing that. Thank you, Tom. And I, again, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, and and you just trusting me to share my story. I'm more than grateful. Well, I don't know if you can be more than grateful, but anyway, <laughs> that was just me be trying to be funny. So thank you very much. And oh, by the way, when you went to the subject of, of fitting in, I shot a video yesterday about fitting in, which I'll send to you via, via yeah. email. I, I actually, I shot it for my uh, 22-year-old daughter. Oh, perfect. Yeah, please send it over. Definitely. I will do that. So thank you very much for your time. If you want to, let's take the next 30 seconds for you to give your contact information for anybody who's interested in exploring your multi-level marketing program. For sure. So the best way to get connected with me is either through Facebook. So it's Jen Carmona, J-E-N-N, and then C-A-R-M-O-N-A. And then also on Instagram, which is J-E-N-N-J Carmona, C-A-R. M-O-N-A, and we can get connected that way as well. I'll be able to send you the information. And and, uh, really, my goal is to help as many people uh, replace their income in 2021. So that's the campaign that they're running. Uh, We want to help people just get out of bondage mentally, financially. And my goal is to help 100 people do that through what we do. So even if it's not for you, if you know somebody that's looking for a change and they don't know what their next move uh, could be, just connect them with me. I'll make sure that we take good care of them. I'll get in alignment with their goals. And then from there, we can do something great together. So again, Tom, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. And I'm looking forward to doing more of these and, and connecting and seeing how that we can help one another. Awesome. And this, this is a message from me to you, the listener. This lady, you can believe what she says. This lady has her heart in the game. She's all in for it, all right? And she's completely transparent, and she'll never do you wrong. So I advise you get in touch with her. So that ends today's uh, edition of this podcast. Thanks to Jen Carmona for sharing parts of your life with me. Maybe later we'll get some other parts. Yes, for sure. (laughs) We'll get them. After you've had the baby and yeah, we'll put them in a capsule so that she doesn't hear them until till she's 25, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for your time, Jan. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then xlenz.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.